Welcome to our podcast, Deconstruct. My name is Lauren. And I'm Adam. On this podcast, we want to help start or continue conversations about the beautiful and messy parts of life. Although we both had a conservative upbringing, we've since grown out of a lot of our traditional ways of thinking. We're learning to deconstruct the religious lenses we once saw the world through, breaking down topics like purity culture, racism, and the patriarchy, while demystifying things like feminism, equality, and love. Stepping away from our evangelical church background, all the while leaning into God and moving forward in our faith. We'd love to hear your story. You can find us on Instagram at deconstruct.pod. Now, on to the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have two guests. First, we have Dr. Randy Woodley. He is an activist and scholar, distinguished speaker, teacher, and wisdom keeper who addresses a variety of issues concerning American culture, faith, justice, our relationship with the earth, and indigenous realities. His expertise has been sought in national venues as diverse as Time Magazine, Christianity Today, Moody Radio, and The Huffington Post. Dr. Woodley currently serves as Distinguished Professor of Faith and Culture at George Fox University, Portland Seminary. His books include Decolonizing Evangelicalism, an 11.59 p.m. conversation, The Harmony Tree, A Story of Healing and Community, Shalom in the Community of Creation, an Indigenous Vision and Living in Color Embracing God's Passion for Ethnic Diversity. Dr. Woodley's chapter writings are in dozens of books and in many magazines and journals. His podcast, Piecing It All Together, Randy was raised near Detroit, Michigan. He is a legal descendant of the United Kitawa Band of Cherokee Indians in Oklahoma. Randy has served as a member of the Oregon Department of Education American Indian Alaska Native Advisory Board. Edith Woodley is a speaker mentor on issues concerning Native American spirituality and creation. As a full-time mother, grandmother, and farmer, she has developed a unique relationship with the land and insights concerning how to raise a family on a small farm. Edith is an Eastern Shoshone tribal member who was raised on the Wind River Reservation in Wyoming. She graduated from Bacone Indian College in Muskegee, Oklahoma, and is co-founder of several organizations with Randy Woodley, including Elohe Indigenous Center for Earth Justice and Elohe Farm and Seeds. They serve together on the Greater Portland Native Climate Council. Together, the Woodleys have been involved in mentoring Indigenous leaders and others for almost three decades. Their service for over 30 years to the most disenfranchised people in America led them to become serious about important issues such as peace, racism, and eco-justice. The Woodleys, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. (laughs) Y'all sound very, very busy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no, we're not very busy uh, yeah, I, guess, I guess you could say that we've been busy for uh 30 plus years together so yeah well at least you're doing it together right that's right and that's what makes it fun oh, you yeah. know doing it with somebody it's been a lot of fun oh for sure that's same with us we love doing everything together and that's part of the passion of starting the podcast together um we right. started this a while ago so it's it's really fun to partner together so uh, we, we love to hear stories. So we love to hear um, how kind of people 
got started, where they kind of come from. So um, if it's okay with you guys, uh, Edith, I'd love to start with you and what kind of childhood uh, that you had and how it reflects in your life today. Okay. Um, well, I, I grew up, as you said, I grew up on the Wind River Indian Reservation, Wyoming. Uh, my father is Eastern Shoshone. My mother is uh, Choctaw from Southeast Oklahoma. Let me go back a bit uh, in my story here. I, um, my father uh, was um, was sent off to boarding school between the ages of uh, nine and twelve. Mm -hmm. uh, when I've asked questions about what age he was, my auntie wasn't, you know, hundred percent sure what age he was. Yeah. Um, so he went off to boarding school, and he was there till he was the age of 17 mm -hmm. and when he came home um he came home and him and his mother my grandmother were very close before he left um my dad never he didn't know english uh and he was being my grandmother was raising him to be the next spiritual leader of our family okay uh as being the oldest son and um, out of four children, he was being, you know, raised to do that. And uh, his schooling was out, you know, was outside, was out in the woods, out in the mountains, uh, learning the plants, learning the uh, the rivers and the um, <laughs> the mountains and stuff like that. So that was his schooling. You know, that's pretty yeah. cool schooling. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so when he was sent away to boarding school um just little bits my dad never liked talking about boarding school mm. and about his experience there but what i did get out of him is that it wasn't it wasn't easy you yeah. know yeah. um it was really hard on him yeah and when he spoke his language he was punished for it yeah um he spent most of his time working a little bit of time in school, but um, one of his jobs was to go out and milk the cows. Uh, he went to boarding school in Flandreau, South Dakota. Okay. And um, so it's really cold. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, you know, he'd have to get up at like at four o'clock in the morning, go yeah. out there, milk the cows. And the only warmth he could get was right up against the cows. And um, the milk, they sold the milk to the community mm. they didn't give the children the milk yeah right. so um my dad uh him and his buddies that were milked and you know they'd uh take turns looking out to making sure and they would take squirts of mm -hmm. the milk mm -hmm. you know yeah and um so but uh he came home at the age of 17 and was with my grandma for uh, a year before she passed away with um with cancer and uh, he met and married a woman who also was a product of boarding school, and um, they started a family, but it wasn't, um, it was a very violent, dysfunctional family. Mm -hmm. They were both alcoholics, and eventually they broke up. They had seven children. Uh, a couple of years later, um, he met, uh, married my mother. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then, um, 
couple of years later, my brother and I came along. So I am the youngest of nine children. Wow. And, um, but the oldest of, uh, I don't know how many, dozen or more nieces and nephews. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it's kind of like I was right in between, right? Yeah. And so, um, I grew up in a very dysfunctional home, even though, um, my mother tried to keep it together. My dad was still an alcoholic and of course, um, my older siblings were, you know, out doing their thing. Um, also drinking because that's what they grew up in, you know? Yeah. And, um, getting into bad relationships and so on and so forth. And so eventually, um, my mom gave my dad an ultimatum. Uh, it's either me or your alcoholism. And, um, he chose his alcoholism and, um, my mom left for a year and then finally he came back, got her and she came home and, but she left with, um, my, my brother and I, and three of her stepkids, the youngest stepkids. And so she, you know, she took five kids back to Oklahoma to live with her parents, my grandparents. And so, uh, we lived in Oklahoma for a year. Um, so my dad came back. He, uh, had stopped drinking and, um, you know, life got on, but it was, um, he, he become a dry drunk, you know, mm-hmm. he didn't go to treatment and everything. So he still had the, um, the stuff of an alcoholic, right? Right. right. Even yeah. though he wasn't drinking. Yeah. Um, so that went on. And I grew up in a very um, dysfunctional home with, but, you know, there were times when, you know, we had a lot of fun and it wasn't always bad, right? Yeah. Um, we, uh, during the winter times, we would go, um, go up in the mountains during Christmas time, we would go to the mountains and cut a tree and all of us would hop in the big truck and off we'd go up into the mountains and um, spend the day up there. My mom would pack a lunch and, it was, you know, it was always a lot of fun. Right. And cutting wood and um, during the summer we would pick berries and riding horses. And um, my dad had a backpacking uh, guide thing and, you know, we would go and um, I took it one time I went with him and we took a bunch of horses up way up into the mountains Yeah, and, um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So no, my I dad mean... was a really good guide, you know, mm-hmm. and he was really good at that because that's what he knew. Right. Right. And, um, he was really good. He was, uh, he had such a good heart Yeah, and he was, um, him and my mom, they really loved each other. And it was just something that a bond between them that, you know, they worked through all the ugly parts of um, the alcoholism and the dysfunction of our family. They worked through it together. 
Yeah. And, you know, and they stuck together and they loved each other very much. And I just, you know, I look at that and I go to myself, you know, that's what marriage should be. You work through these hard times and, um, you know, it, it, it works. And that was kind of, kind of helped me in my own marriage yeah. with Randy that, you know, you, you stay at the table and you work through these things, no matter how hard they are. Right. Um, and so, but you know, I grew up and, um, I had my own issues with things. I was, um, things happened to me that no girl should ever have to experience in her life. Yeah. And, um, I grew up and it's not like, I don't know. It's just my growing up years. I was just very, um, I had a very low self-esteem. Yeah. I, um, I didn't like who I was. Mm. And, um, and so as time went on, I ended up, um, getting into drugs and alcohol and then I barely made it out of high school. My, um, my parents sent me away to Bacon Indian college in Oklahoma in uh, Muskogee, Oklahoma. And hoping that, you know, just to get me away. Yeah. And, um, there I found a freedom that, I never knew before. And I just really dove into that freedom Mm. and, um, just did more, more of the drugs and alcohol stuff, you know? Right. And, um, so, but eventually it came to a point where I tried to take my life and, uh, ended up in this program called teen challenge. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was that in Missouri for six months and then in uh, upper state New York for two years. Got it. And um, after two years, I left. And um, it was, you know, I had a lot of issues because there, in Tea Challenge, well, in a lot of places, you know, they in um, my... Uh, my history with religion and uh, Christianity, it was like, you have to be this one way and you can't uh, follow your native ways at all. Right. And who, who Uh, in your life was, was teaching you that? Where were you learning that? uh, It's kind of sad because um, I have, you know, my, my mother's family's in Oklahoma and, um, so they're very Christiany. Yeah. Okay. And your, your mother's so, side. Yes, my mother's side, my aunts and okay. uh, my uncles and stuff, and um, that's where I heard a lot of that from. And yeah. also the pastor there on the reservation. My mom sent us to church, and um, because she grew up, my grandfather was a Southern Baptist pastor and uh he's one of those kind of uh you know 
Bible thumping type pastors. He yeah. Very devoted right. to his faith and everything. And, and, um, so he, uh, so she sent us to church hoping that things would be good. Right. Yeah. And, um, and, she, and your mother is indigenous as well. She's native. Yes. She's okay. chalked off. She's okay, chalked off. Okay. Yeah. And so I, you know, I really resented. That's where I first really saw what Christianity was. Mm. Yeah, I'm just a youngster going to this church with a bunch of my nieces and nephews. And the pastor there, him and his wife, they were an older couple. And um, they were, in my mind as a kid, you know, they were mean. Yeah. And they were hateful. And they were very, you know, it's like, you got to be this way. You can't do this. You can't do that. You know, going to those ceremonies is evil. And that's where I first really heard that. Right. Well, there's a lot of fear mongering around the indigenous spiritual practices, especially in Christian spaces. Yeah, definitely. And um, so, you know, it's like, oh, and that also probably played into a lot of my um, my self-doubt as a native person. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. And. Um, as I left school, you know, I was, I ended up in teen challenge and there they did the same thing. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you got to be this way. Right. You got to just put all that stuff behind you. And, um, you know, that's, that's really not in God's plan. No, to divorce yourself and your spiritual awareness from your future just. I mean, that just, to me, continues the generational trauma that already started with your father when he was sent off to boarding schools. Right. And they didn't realize what they were doing, you know, because, you know, they probably didn't know nothing. It's like, when you follow Jesus, you got to follow him this way, right? Right. And you got to put all of that other stuff is pagan, you know, all your Indian uh, ceremonies are pagan and you know like you said boarding school stuff this you know a lot of that stuff um so i left when i left uh teen challenge came home went back to school and um and at that point that's when uh randy and i got married okay uh oh, wow. we ended up meeting and uh, a cousin of mine introduced us and he was in eastern oklahoma and i was in western no 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 i'm sorry opposite side he was in western <laughs> oklahoma and i was in eastern oklahoma so. yeah. and um my cousin introduced us and um we met in september and in december we got married <laughs> and um it's you know, that first year, it was a little rocky, but, you know, I'm married and I got to stay with this guy. You know, <laughs> you know I got to work through it. And, yeah. you know, like I said, you know, I I really drew, I didn't realize it at that point, but I really drew from my, um, my parents' marriage. Yeah. And, and, and plus it was like, you know. I was still at that point, I was still really struggling with my identity as a native person. Right. I did not. And because, like I said, my family lives, uh, my mother's family lives in um, all over Oklahoma, different parts of Oklahoma. And 
a lot of them live there in uh, Western Oklahoma, Anadarko, Oklahoma, where we were living at that point. And they were really against a lot of the uh, things that uh, Randy was doing. Um, he was the director of uh, the Anadarko Christian Center mm. and coordinator of 10 American Baptist Indian churches. Wow. And um, so, but he was doing something totally different. And he was participating in the ceremonies, the native mm -hmm. ceremonies. Um, he had um, some elders had came and adopted him as their son. And, um, but the thing was about these two elders, they were, they loved the creator, mm. but they also participated in their ceremonies Yeah, and they loved their history. They knew who they were as native people and that, you know, that Jesus didn't, you know, made them for who they were. Yeah. And, um, they were proud to be native and they were, you know, and they were, and they loved Jesus. Yeah. From what I've read or what I've heard from you, um, do you, it, it seems, I mean, you, you brought up Jesus. Do you identify as a Christian um, or do you pull just different aspects of Christianity and, and, and in a way indigenize um, the, some of those practices in the Christian faith? Well, I, um, but see, after all these years of, after that first year of our marriage, I really struggled to know who I was Yeah, and my identity as a native person, but also can I still follow Jesus right. at the same time? Yeah. And so, um, it dawned on me that, yeah, I can, mm. but the thing is, is, um, I don't call myself a Christian right now. Yeah. Um, just because Christianity is, has a real negative. Yeah. It's very loaded. Yeah. And so I don't call myself a Christian. I just call myself a follower of Jesus. Mm -hmm. mm. And, you know, I don't go around, you know, doing all the evangelical type preachings. And I just let, you know, I have my own spiritual practices that I use yeah. for my own uh, relationship yeah. uh, with the creator. And I, um, I try to live the way the creator needs me to be. Yeah. yeah. And, um, when we try to build communities and stuff, I try to let, you know, I just live my life the way Jesus would want me to live. Yeah, there's right. a beautiful freedom be hospitable, to that. You know, be hospitable, be loving, take care of my elders, uh, take care of the orphans and the immigrants and, you know, just be out there. Yeah. Right. And you, you had mentioned that um, Randy was adopted by... So the elders, um, Randy, do you want to speak on how you 
are you by like were you raised native or did you find um a passion for indigenous culture and heritage as an adult um what was what was that um what was that part of your journey yeah so uh i I think i was in second grade when i realized i was native and um at that point uh it became uh sort of a um a goal to discover what that means and so i remember in fifth grade i said i'm only going to read native books from now on (laughs) (laughs) they would have us read just different things so yeah i i mean um both my families come from a mixed blood Cherokee heritage. Uh, it had been several generations since anyone in our family spoke their language. Um, and uh, a lot of their friends were mixed bloods um, who were assimilated like them into, uh, you know, like at church. So they were Christians and uh, they would sit around and tell stories and always would come up about, you know, their Indianness and, you know, how their grandmothers spoke their language and this and that. And I, you know, and I would sit around and listen to all this. And I thought to myself as a young kid, maybe like nine, 10 years old, um, you know, I don't want to be that kind of Indian. I want to be a real Indian. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like, like, and so I didn't know back then like the, that what they were really talking about was assimilation and uh, resistance mm-hmm. to colonization, you know? Yeah. So it took me a while to kind of figure that out. And, um, uh, you know, I was, um, uh, nine years, no, 10 years old when I went to a church camp, the only one I ever went to. And it just so happened that the, the, the guy that was, uh, my counselor was a full blood Ojibwe guy. And, um, and so I like spent all my time with that guy the whole time running. Right? He taught me how to like dig sassafras roots and canoe and all the things. So it was like for a 10 year old idolizing native America, right? This was like a dream come true. Yeah. And at the end, you know, he asked me if I wanted to follow Jesus. And so, you know, of course I said, yes. Um, I think I was following him probably as much as anything. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, uh, so, um, so I ended up, you know, going through this struggle and then I became sort of like a, you know, during, uh, junior high and high school, sort of like an aim wannabe, um, so, um, I had all the posters up in my room. I subscribed to the Aqua Sassani notes and, um, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. Well, I ended up being, um, becoming a meth addict and tried to quit for over a year and I couldn't get off of it. And, and I ended up through a long story and circumstances at uh, a meeting where, um, you know, I, I asked Jesus, I asked, uh, to, to, I was asked to follow Jesus. And, and at that point I ended up, um, like, uh, you know, I just said, Hey, if you're real, then take away these drugs from me and I will follow you the rest of my life. Yeah. And, uh, all of a sudden I got hit in the forehead, like with a sledgehammer, you know, and I found myself on the floor and, and, uh, when I got up, I was like, I felt different, freed and, and uh, was not addicted anymore. And, uh, and I know it doesn't happen that way with, with a lot of people, but that's right. the way it happened with me, you know? So, um, and then, you know, I, I began to discover more about who Jesus is and, uh, uh and it seemed pretty consistent with, uh, everything I needed, right. Um, the love and the kindness and the community and, 
And what I didn't realize at that time, which I realized later, is that a lot of those Native values had stayed in our family. It's just all the traditions and practices and songs and things that were uh, were missing, right? Yeah. My my um, mother's side, um, her father, who died when she was three, descends from uh, a, a chief named uh, Guleekwa, who was in a 15-year war against the United States during the Revolution. Oh, wow. Um, I always say uh, he was fighting against tyranny on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and, and he signed the first peace treaty between the Cherokees and uh, uh, the United States at the Treaty of Holston. And, uh, and, you know, and, and I, I, I looked up his history and I've been to all his old village sites and, you know, and I've seen the sad, sad history. And, and the only thing my grandmother could tell us a lot about him was that he always said his people, um, never had time for the grass to grow beneath their feet. They were always moved. Mm -hmm. So his, his villages were moved and moved. And I finally, when I was a little older, like a a mid teenager, um, I was able to talk to some of his uh, sisters and uh, get more of our family history and story. And, and, uh, and then, uh, then on my dad's family too. And so I became sort of like the family genealogist, I guess you'd say, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, story keeper. Everybody has Um, one of those. (laughs) Yeah. So that's me. And, uh, and then, you know, always during high school, you know, whenever, uh, we'd have, um, cause I went to a very multicultural, multi-ethnic, multiracial, um, uh, you know, lived in a community in, uh, Willow Run, Michigan, uh, near Detroit that was very much reflective of Detroit and all the demographics. And, and so whenever we'd have Indian kids, you know, moving in off the reservation, I'd always hang with them and hang around their parents and try to, try to, you know, uh, I, I was a, a a true wannabe, although I already was Indian. Right. But, um, you know, but I wanted to, to to really know what that means, and so, you know, I've spent my life. Um, fortunately, um, we've had the real privilege of of having old elders, the ones that are golden, the ones that you know, some of them even born in teepees, you know, in the old days, um, uh, pre contact, uh, you know, with their particular tribes out in the West, anyway, some of them and, and other ones in the East and North who have, uh, taken me in and, you know, and I've learned ceremonies and I've, I've, uh, you know, I've lived in Eastern Oklahoma and, um, got some of our own Cherokee ceremonies and, uh, and I've learned the values and I've learned to watch those people as models and their values and, yeah. And, you know, that's why, um, so I had a, almost the opposite uh, of Edith. So, mm-hmm. she, you know, we were assimilated and I was moving to be um, uh, truly, I guess what we, we would call it, let's say, a, a traditional of some sort. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wish I was a traditional. I wish that I was, was that, you know, true to um, our ways. Um, but, uh, and, uh, and Edith was running away from all that. She was raised with it all around her. Her brother was very spiritual traditional uncle, spiritual yeah. leader and others, but, but she was running away from that. And, and it was during that time that we ran into each other. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow! And then she was being told by all her relatives, you know, stay away from him and his, you know, he's bringing evil back in the church and, <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, he's a syncretist and all this kind of stuff. And, and I had this group of elders, not just the one uh, couple, but uh, Jake and Libby, but an, a, a number of them who, who came in and, 
you know, and it's been that way wherever we've gone. The elders have come out and saw what we're doing and adopted uh, us uh, either officially or non-officially and, and said, we want you to keep doing what you're doing. And so I always had a sort of a council of elders to go to, to say, hey, here's what I'm thinking, you know. Yeah. And so we were able to um, to kind of be, I guess, trailblazers in that uh, um, that kind of way in a lot of different communities. Um, when we moved to Carson City, Nevada, and I pastored a, a native church, um, a lot of Wavoka's uh, descendants came there, and, and they said, we're coming because you're doing what Wavoka was doing. You know? mm-hmm. You're carrying his mantle here. And, and uh, you know, I've been running Sweat Lodge for over 30 years now. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, it's just, you know, we raised our kids, uh, traditional and, uh, in the modern world, you know, to try to learn how to live in both worlds. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, so it's been exciting. And, you know, now the, the whole process is, um, to help uh, other people, um, to decolonize and to indigenize their lives, you know, even, uh, white people as well. Right. Uh, you know, everybody needs to decolonize and everybody needs to indigenize. Well, they are living on native land. And so to care for the planet, everybody needs to learn to indigenize so that we can better care for the land and for the environment. Um, Yeah, exactly. And for you, as you said, you, you pastored, but, and you also um, do sweat lodge ceremonies. Is that the same, like, is that the same? Or are, was the pastoring in a more of a Christian theology or was that really just native spirituality? Um, well, so we're not Christians. Okay. Okay. Um, and, um, so, and I always, uh, two things I want to do. One is to tell you <laughs> that, that Jesus never became a Christian. Yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> and, and, you know, he remained a Jew. Uh, that sounds funny to people, but, um, but, but also, you know, I don't think he actually uh, intended to start a religion. No. Um, and, and then based on everything we, we can know about him. And then thirdly, if he was going to start a religion, I don't think it would look anything like Christianity. Agreed. So, Agreed. Uh, so, you know, we're not Christians. We never really made good Christians once we became Christians. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't do the things right. We always were in trouble. We didn't like all the what I call the hokey pokey where everybody talks together and says these chants like <laughs> that are, uh, you know, and, and the kind of repetition of things and the, the control orientedness of it all and right. the controlled environment. And so we were like, you know, about 10 years ago, we decided, yeah, we just, we're, we're not really Christians. We never really liked Christianity, but, like but you know, like everything we know about Jesus and the power of Jesus in both of our lives and the power of, you know, uh, how God works through the creation. And yeah. it seems pretty consistent when you look at Jesus through indigenous eyes. Yeah. And uh, so the other thing I wanted to tell you was, I'll, I'll just make this a very, very quick story. But I, um, we were, we always used to, when we traveled around for four years, our family traveled around from reservation to reservation reserve up in Canada and yeah. all over the U.S. And, uh, you know, we were everywhere among all different native peoples all over the place and wherever we'd be invited. And we were on the Lakuta reservation one time. And we hadn't, um, we'd been invited by a Christian group, but come to find out they hadn't been invited by the, the, um, the, uh, Lakuta people. And mm. so, um, the Ojibwe people there. So we, 
we said, well, we can't, we were up there to teach for a week in their, you know, their leadership training. And, and I said, I can't do that. And I've done this a number of times. Uh, we can't do this if, unless we have the blessing of the people here, um, because this is their land. Right. So yeah. that's the way we were taught. So we ended up, um, you know, finding out who it was. And it was one of the leaders of the Medellin Lodge. And he was also uh, the, like the uh, spiritual advisor, elder advisor to the um, council. And, and so we ended up visiting him. I took him a gift basket and talked and, you know, and, and I'm, I, I could tell you lots of this story, but I know you don't have time. So I'll just make it quick and just say, as he told me all these stories, um, he, uh, he kept saying over and over again throughout the story, he'd interrupt the story and say, yeah. And my uncle, uh, my uncle was like 108 years old when he died. He trained most of the Gichi Dawans around here, most of the medicine people. Mm-hmm. And um, and my uncle would always tell me, nephew, don't ever disrespect Jesus mm-hmm. because he's mm-hmm. he's a great spirit. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I talked to him. And so uh, so he said, I always wondered about my uncle with that, you know. And so and he kept he kept interrupting the story. I think probably five or six times he said that he just stopped the story. And say, my uncle said, never disrespect Jesus because mm-hmm. um, he's a great spirit. And I talked to him. But uh, he, he said, so uh, toward the end of the story, he said, uh, so I asked my uncle one time. I said, um, and this man I'm talking to is like 85 years old, right? Yeah. Uh, 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 I asked my uncle, uncle, did you, how do you know about Jesus? He goes, did you, did you go to boarding school? And he goes, no. No, I never went to boarding school. He goes, well, did the Catholic priest teach you this? He said, no, I haven't had no contact with them. Do you read the Bible? He said, no, I never. He says, but but how do you know all these things that you tell me about Jesus? And he says, well, I told you, I talked to him. And then, and then he asked again, his uncle, how do you know these things? Are you tell me these things Jesus did and all this and what he says to do? And uh, my uncle looked at me, he said, like I was uh, like a child. And and he said, well, I told you, I talked to him and he talks back. Mm. So, you know, we, we've got some very Western ideas about Jesus, who Jesus is. And, um, uh, but as native people, we understand spirit. Yes. And, uh, and we understand that lots goes on, but, uh, people don't understand and so um yeah that's how we talk to god hey everyone want to take a quick moment to say thank you for listening if you like what you're hearing please share this episode and rate and review the podcast as it helps others find this online community thanks so much now back to the episode Love that. I love that. Thank you for telling that story. That um, that resonates a lot, one, with me personally, but also um, just to give a really quick uh, background of, of, of myself. I'm Ojibwe, and oh. my, my grandfather, my dad's dad, it, he was sent to boarding school. My great-grandmother, I mean, she used to say she was glad she was an ugly girl because she wasn't raped as much as the other girls. So it's like the, uh-huh. the trauma... And my, my grandfather was, he was beaten. He would sneak down, eat raw potatoes, like that whole, the whole horrible, horrible, awful stories. Like I, I understand that. And I, and I've heard, I've heard that I've heard it from his mouth. Um, he recently passed, but my, so then my grandmother, so my dad's mother, 
she was Mexican, um, but she was Aztec, so she was she was um, she was indigenous, but indigenous Mexican. Um, and so uh, a lot of my cousins, though, they still live on the reservation, our reservations in Canada. Um, and my cousins and my uncle and my um, my aunts, they still actually they live on the reservation. And my father, he he moved down to Florida, later North Carolina, and married my mother. And she's she's white, <laughs> mixed of European something. And um, so he he's actually Christian. They identify as Christian. Um, but I've had, and that's how I was raised. So I often talk to my uh, my cousins and my uncles and my aunts um, concerning a lot of like our indigenous heritage and culture and traditions because I didn't grow up with that, but I'm just one generation away. Um, and mm-hmm. but I often feel that kind of um, the gap and and feeling I'm, my identity is very not confused, but learning how to indigenize my faith and. Um, I'm still I'm still learning to do that. But anyway, I say all of this because when you were talking about the story um, and your experience of, well, don't disrespect Jesus. Jesus is a great spirit. Um, I, I, my cousins say that, and so they're not they they're not Christian, but they always that's where like them and my father can can uh, agree um, mm-hmm. because my my father does like I said identify as a Christian, and so. I've heard that over and over throughout the years and I've kind of forgotten that they used to say that to him and, and I would be listening mm. and I, and you just helped me to remember that they would always say, well, we, we honor Jesus. Like we, we love Jesus. We, you know, um, and, and then now in my own journey and my own story of decolonizing, deconstructing, indigenizing all of this, um, I, I feel the same that I, I respect Jesus because again, that spirit and that's connection to that spirit. And I tell Adam um, all the time that my spirituality really exists on the belief that we are all spirit and we're all energy and um, thinking about Jesus as a great spirit. um, I don't know. That just, it it clicks with me. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we all have our beliefs and our understandings and, you know, um, the West is preoccupied with the right beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. But but as indigenous people, we're occupied with the right way of doing things. Yeah. And, um, and you know, that's where we can be of help to to the West. Um, so you ask about the church. Oh, and by the way, this is a good day for you then. I'm really happy for you. That's yeah. Good. So, uh the, the church, um, you know, we we already were decolonizing. Um, we hadn't gotten as far as to say we're not Christians at that point, but we were struggling with it. Mm. Um, we pastored for seven years. We had sweat lodge. We had ceremonies and men's talking circles outside around the fire and community talking circles. And we, we understood um, our uh, our community as the whole community, um, not just uh, the church, right? And yeah. so, um, and and we were unique because most of the people who came were from a traditional background, not a Christian background. And so that was really helpful. Right. And um, so it wasn't, uh, and, and we kind of, you know, right, you know, we used the drum and we 
sang songs and we had, you know, Eagle Feather fan and smoke when you came in and all that. But that was like what I would call the trappings. But it was not until we um, got rid of all the constitution of the church and, and the, uh, the councils and all that. And we just met together, you know, once a month and made decisions. Everybody ate together and met together. And when we, um, uh, when we gave everybody an equal voice, that's when we truly became an indigenous church. Yeah. And uh, when I wouldn't even call it church, I would just call it community mm-hmm. um, because, um, you know, like a lot of the traditional people, especially those who went to boarding school, wouldn't come in the church. Right. But they would come to our events. They would come to our ceremonies. They would come to our sweat lodge. They would come to our um, uh, talking circles outside. And I, I, you know, quote unquote, pastored the whole community. I was, you know, I did like 66 funerals all together. and. Mm-hmm. Hospital calls, you know, whenever, you know, the first call I got was a, a woman who said, uh, hey, I heard you're a pastor. Yeah. Are you native? Yeah. I heard you use eagle feather when you pray with people. Is that right? Yeah. Can you come to the hospital and pray for me? Sure. So, you know, that that was a difference and a change in the community. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, so all of a sudden our role was. Uh, was to be a spiritual leader in the community, not just quote unquote pastor of a church. So yeah, it was very different. You, you ask if it was right. the same or different. It was very different. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for explaining. And I, you know, with, you mentioned you, you moved a couple times and with every tribe, you know, and every, every reservation you're on, the different land that you are on, um, everybody has, tribes and then and then clans everybody has different customs and traditions you know you over the years have learned um a lot probably from your Cherokee heritage um do you feel that the whenever you move and you're you're around different tribes or different clans or different people different land that you have to learn and adjust the traditions or have you found that they've pretty much stayed um custom, I guess, like this, the same. Yeah. So that's a really good question. Um, a couple of ways to answer that one is, um, you know, I, I have been blessed in one way to be around a lot of different peoples and, um, be taken in and trusted by a lot of different peoples and learn a number of ways and ceremonies and customs and traditions and even bits of languages and, um, and so in that sense, you know, um, that's been really good because those are all th- things that are generally are different, even though, you know, we've got a lot of pan-Indian stuff now, sweat lodge and, mm-hmm. and uh, powwow and things are pretty pan-Indian now across the Turtle Island. But um, uh, but I, I told a traditional uh, spiritual leader who's Cherokee one time, you know, um, cause he's always trying to bring me into, you know, but we don't live in Cherokee country anymore. We did right. at one time. Right. I was learning the language. I was, I was, um, uh, you know, uh, learning from traditional people and all those kinds of things have some great opportunities. And then, um, I got fired as a Dean of students at Bacon college. Cause I kept bringing up the racism, systemic racism there mm-hmm. after a couple of years. I was, okay. uh, so, so I had to leave Oklahoma and, um, and kind of give that up. But uh, but I was blessed in other ways to learn the beauty of our indigenous people all over. But I, I told my traditional friend, I said, you know, I, I probably make a 
okay ending, but I'll probably never make a good Cherokee because, uh, or Keturah, <laughs> a good Keturah because um, I've learned so many ways. My, the Edith mentioned the couple, Jake and Libby Otton, who um, adopted me as mm-hmm. their son. Um, and we had uncles and, you know, all over the brothers and others all over the place. And, and we've adopted a few people too, but um, the, um, uh, you know, he said it uh, one time at a public event. He said, you know, Randy's, uh, you know, he's a Cherokee, but we've made a good Kiowa out of him. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I don't think that's probably true. Uh, you know, I, I think, but what it did was um, uh, told me that, you know, I have a home and uh, there too. And, uh, you know, that's the nice thing about, you know, our Indian people is we're always including others, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Expanding our family, not trying to, make a nuclear family, you know, exactly, and, so yeah. and, uh, uh, I think that nuclear family might be the cause of some of our, uh, you know, psychosis that goes on in our society. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's one of our values is to, to, you know, that everybody has a place and everybody knows their place. Right. Yeah. So there's no uncertainty and you don't end up marrying your cousin. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Always uh, helpful. Yeah. So, so as you guys uh, were moving around, uh, I think I read that you guys brought the Elohe farm practices with you um, to each of those different places. Is that correct? Yeah, starting in, um, that started with a dream that I had in Carson City, Nevada, uh, when we were pastoring. Um, I had this uh, vision, a night vision, I guess you'd call it. I don't know if that's kind of funny word. But, uh, um, and it just was so real and so sacred. And I woke Edith up, and next thing you know, we were both, crying and talking about it and just sort of I'm slow on the uptake. So it took a little while to realize like that's what we're supposed to do. But, mm. And then, uh, so we've been, you know, kind of chasing this vision of Elahe, uh, ever since. And, uh, our church after a year, you know, we went, uh, the church encouraged us because our church had basically turned into a school, if mm, you will. People yeah. come and stay with us and learn these things. And, and so, um, uh, but they were wanting people all over wanting us to come and, talk and spend time and there's a number of young couples who around the u.s and canada who wanted us to help i guess you say mentor them or just come speak into their lives and see what they're doing and encourage them and so that's when we ended up um traveling for four years we put like sixty thousand miles a year in our van and, oh my goodness and, uh homeschooled our kids from the road and we were in ojibwe country and hopi country and you know Cree country and lakota country and all of these things, speaking and learning and building relationships. And, and, uh, um, so, uh, that, that was a, I guess a time that really gave us perspective. And then it's no surprise that when I end up doing my doctoral work, my PhD work, which I didn't want to do by the way, but, um, <laughs> my wife made me do it. Uh, they, uh, you know, it was about our native values. You know, I, I wanted to yeah. find out like this harmony way that we have that's close to what we would call biblical shalom, the big picture of that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, how widespread is this? I knew that, you know, we had our way, Elohe, you know, or Diyukti, sometimes it's called in Cherokee. Um, you know, Navajos have Hojon. You know, you have your own uh, Ojibwe, you know, uh, Anishinaabe ways of, uh, you know, I couldn't pronounce it if I wanted to, if I could remember it anyway, but, um, <laughs> what that's called, but, uh, you know, there's every, and so I come to find out like of all, and, and I, I was like uh, testing every region of the Turtle Island, you know, North Canada and, 
in the United States and Hawaii. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, the 45 tribes that I was able to have contact with and the different spiritual leaders and traditional people, you know, I found out they all, everybody has that construct of our harmony way. And, um, and then there's these values that, that are, you know, I found at least 10 pretty complex, but, um, central values to, and I say complex because they all have sort of different aspects to them, but values that we all have, we all share as native people, things like, you know, a tangible spirituality and generosity and hospitality and extending our families and, you know, um, giving everybody the dignity of voice, you know, yeah. consensus building and, and everyone having a say, and, you know, um, our Indian time, you know, it's another, yep. what we call, <laughs> yeah. what we call um, present past orientation as opposed to the Western way, which is present future oriented. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so all these, all these things, you know, have just been rich in our lives mm-hmm. and we use those and we, we theologize, you know, I guess if, if thinking about, creator and our Indian way is theologizing then then we do that and uh yeah so so now we're reaching our uh our elderly type years and um so we're you know we're we're finally building our third iteration uh, called Elahe Indigenous Center for Earth Justice and Elahe Farm and Seeds and uh, it's we're building a place where people can come and experience this not like a conference but like um, a, a living school, I guess, if you will. That yeah. was the original vision. Um, we were chased off our 50 acres in Kentucky back in Cherokee country by white supremacists. Yeah. And and then um, uh, we gave up our smaller farm to get this larger one here uh, in Oregon. And, and uh, yeah, so, and then the other thing is that, uh, you know, the, um, you know, wherever we go, we, we ask the host people, you know, hey, can we be here? What what can we do to honor you? Can we do our own ceremonies here? Mm. Um, and so we've asked all those questions and gotten good good responses from the Kalapuyan people who this is their land and is their land still. Yeah. Um, but uh, a lot of people don't realize it's still their land. <laughs> so, yeah. That's a beautiful initiative. Seventy percent of our people live off reservation now. Right. Right. And so we're all in some ways part settler colonials, I guess. Uh, we have to figure out like how to be a good uh, visitor on the land to the host people who live here. Yeah. And I'm not in Cherokee country no more. I don't, I don't have a quote unquote right to right. Uh, be a host no more. Right. So. Right. Yeah. It's all, all about asking the, the right questions to the right people and getting the, the, the blessing. Um, for sure, because I mean, I live in Tennessee, and I I don't live amongst my anyone who's Ojibwe, um, and so it's what part of Tennessee? I we live in Nashville. Oh, okay, Nashville. So right. yeah, that that's kind of like Chickasaw, Choctaw. Kinda. Yeah, yeah. So mostly. it's interesting trying to to navigate my learning my own like Ojibwe heritage and cultures and traditions, but also at the same time. <laughs> Uh, trying to be trying to honor the land that I'm on. And it's, it's just, it's hard o- over here because the native people are, are so, um, they don't really have a voice here in the Southern States. Um, <laughs> and so it's, it's interesting navigating. Uh, yeah. Navigating that. Yeah. We lived, we've lived in the American South for, let's see, no, eight, eight years, years. Uh, Alabama and mm. Kentucky. 
and um, it's way different than the West. It is. Yeah. It is way different. Even the North, yeah. Yeah, so. it's very different. Um, we're we're we'll see where life takes us. We might we might go out west sometime. <laughs> but um, how can people find you and Elohe? Like online. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things. So like, um, so our main website is called Elohe.org and Elohe is spelled E-L-O-H-E-H. Elohe.org. And then um, our seed company in the spring, if you want to order seeds, is uh, ElaheSeeds.com. And then um, if you want to know like a bunch of my writings and things like that, you can go to randywoodley.com and there's a lot of free stuff there that people can can read our magazine articles i've written online and um you know um uh, podcasts where i've been a guest like this one and other things that um so if you want to get more exposure to any of the ideas that uh, that we've been talking about then that's a good place to get that and we're just we're constructing that so it's under construction but there's still a lot of stuff there that people can can just have for free Awesome. And then I've got some books, right? A bunch of books. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we'll definitely point people to to your sites. We'll include that in the the link uh, below in the about section of the episode. So everyone, go check them out, um, Dr. Randy Woodley and Edith Woodley. Um, they're amazing, and check out their work and their books and the podcasts and Elohe and yeah, be blessed, guys, because this was an yeah, awesome we, conversation. We, Post COVID, we want to invite everybody here. That's yeah, what we do. yeah, so. we're gonna have to go out there and hang out with you guys. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening, and until next time, bye. bye.